Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Mysterious Headlines podcast. We're going to talk more today about the Lori Vallow Daybell case. If you've not listened to the first two episodes I did covering this case, please go back and listen to those. The first episode, we talk all about the overall timeline of the case from when it really began in 2019 all the way till present day and where things are at. And then the episode I uploaded yesterday is all about when Charles Vallow died and how um, that whole situation unraveled. Now today we're going to talk more about the preliminary hearing which happened for Chad Daybell in August of 2020 and we're going to talk more about the religion aspect of this case and what some close friends and family members have said about Lori and Chad Daybell. Now August 2020 was when the preliminary hearing was held for Chad Daybell. Now, this was just for Chad Daybell. We know that June of 2020 was when JJ and Ty Lee were the remains of JJ and Ty Lee were found buried in Chad Daybell's backyard. Now, he was immediately arrested, but they held a preliminary hearing a couple months later in August to determine if they think Chad Daybell had anything to do with the killing of JJ and Ty Lee. And then if it was determined through the preliminary hearing that he did, then further charges would be coming for Chad Daybell, and he would remain in jail. So this preliminary hearing was the first time we really got to hear from other people in regards to this case. Um, Now, prior to this case, we know that Kay and Larry Woodcock, now Kay was Charles Vallow's sister, and Larry Woodcock was Kay's is Kay's husband, so Charles Vallow's brother-in-law. Now, they were vocal from the very beginning of this case. They were the ones that called in the missing reperson, miss, or called for the welfare check for JJ and Tylee, and they were the ones that helped institute the missing person um, case for JJ and Tylee. So they are very pivotal in this story. From day one, they were worried about the kids, They were worried about what had happened to the kids, and they were out there searching. They were calling everybody they could think of and doing everything possible to help locate the kids. They were paying um, and helping get billboards put up um, to try and find the kids. They were just doing so much from day one. And we know that Charles Vallow had already passed away in 20... um, in 2019 and so in July of 2019 and so they were very very vocal in helping move things forward getting law enforcement out there getting the word out there about the missing children and we know that sadly the missing children were discovered in Chad Daybell's backyard um you know less than a year after they were reported missing but Kay and Larry were at the center of this story from the beginning And they did not get up on the witness stand and talk, um, but they were there in the courtroom and they've been a part of everything that has happened in this case. And I think it's important that we mention that because they've done a lot from the beginning and they've also had to deal with the loss. They already had to deal with the loss of Charles Vallow and then deal with the loss of their grandson, JJ Vallow. And then, you know, now, with Lori Valladable being in jail, it's just, I can only imagine what it's been like for Kay and Larry. And yet they show up every time. 
there's anything going on and I just want to mention that but they were the only ones we really heard from from the beginning and Kay had come out after her brother died and she talked about her brother and how she didn't believe from the beginning that Charles was killed in self-defense and we talked more about that in the last episode but she was suspicious of that whole situation and how her brother died. Now, one thing I have to mention in regards to that is that we we look back now and one of the reasons we think so many of these people have died in Lori Vallow's past and path is that she was doing it partially for life insurance money. And that's one of the theories we're going to kind of talk about here. But... Shortly before Charles Vallow died, he, we know, had mentioned he wanted to get a divorce and was kind of moving in that direction. And he had changed over all of his life insurance policies to his sister. And so after Charles Vallow died, Lori Vallow discovered that she was not named on any of his insurance policies that Kay was. And so that was kind of a twist that came out after Charles Vallow died. And we're gonna talk more about some of the reasons of some of the things that have transpired. But we know Kay was talking a lot about her brother after he died and how she was suspicious of that whole situation. And then she was the one that called in for the welfare check for the kids because she would FaceTime with them often and specifically with JJ Vallow. Um, Ty Lee was not her biological like blood granddaughter but she talked about how she would have taken her in like she was her blood granddaughter if she had given the chance and she's talked a lot about like you know why couldn't she just have called and said hey we need someone else to watch the kids for a while you know why couldn't she have just called and asked for help and she said I would have gladly taken in both JJ and Tylee and cared for them for as long as was needed but that did not happen here, and sadly, they are are dead. But um, she's she's been very vocal about everything. And at the preliminary hearing, we heard from other people. We heard from Melanie Gibb, the closest friend to Lori Vallow, and also Chad Daybell. We heard from law enforcement. We heard from other people that were able to shed some light on some of the interesting things that have occurred. Now, Melanie Gibb came forth and talked about her friendship with Lori Vallow and how she became really close friends, that they were both interested in this, like, doomsday idea, which, as I mentioned before, is is a general idea within the LDS faith, this idea that there's going to be a day when the world ends and wanting to be prepared for that. And so that's a general idea within the LDS church. But then there's people that are more interested in it and you could say obsessed with it than other people. And that was the camp that Melanie Gibb and Lori Vallow fell under. You know, going to seminars about it, listening to podcasts about it, reading books about it. And that's how Lori and Melanie Gibb met. And they formed a friendship around this 
belief idea within their faith. And Melanie Gibbs says, or she said in the preliminary hearing when she was on the witness stand, she explained that Lori started getting so deep into it and started talking about, like, you know, having multiple lives and how she believed that she had already lived multiple lives and that she was here in another life for, like, a purpose. And she mentioned to Melanie Gibb that she she had a premonition that Charles Vallow was going to die. She didn't know how, but she knew that Charles Vallow was going to die. And Melanie Gibb had said... You know, really, you, you, you know, you believe all that? Like, where are you, like, where is this coming from? And so Melanie Gibb was kind of questioning some of these things. And then Lori Vallow started talking more about zombies and this idea that there's people that have, you know, that have turned into zombies and they must be eradicated from the world. And that, that Lori Vallow thought she was picked as one of the 44,000, which is a belief that Jesus is going to come back on earth one day. And there are he's pre-selected 44,000 people to help lead the other people out at the end of the world. And lead them to the truth at the end of the world. And Lori Vallow believed that she was one of the 44,000 people. And that part of her job in being one of the 44,000 people was that she was to help eradicate these zombies from the world before that doomsday came before that end of the world day came, which they believe to be July 20th of 2020. And Melanie explained that she had started questioning this. She had started, you know, questioning Lori on this and saying, really, like, why would Jesus be calling you to eradicate zombies? Like, people, like, why would that be something Jesus would be advocating for? You know, Jesus is all about light and love and kindness. And so Melanie was kind of pushing back on some of these ideas um, and, you know, not really understanding why Lori was so deep into these ideas. And she shared on the witness stand a phone call that she had chosen to record. And this was a phone call that was maybe like a month before Lori Vallow's kids went missing. She chose to record this phone conversation that she had with Lori and Chad. And on this phone conversation, she, you know, Lori's talking about, you know, eradicating the zombies from the world and being the light and kind of going on about these, these far-fetched beliefs she's kind of come into. And... Melanie Gibb is pushing back on that and saying, well, why would God have you do that? Why would Jesus have you do that? And she was like, I don't think you're thinking correctly, Lori. I think you're, she was like, I think you're, like, your mind's been tainted. And she was like, I think you need to step outside your, your mind for a minute and think about, like, why would this be? But, well, like, why would this even make sense? And she's really pushing back and questioning on what Lori's saying. And Lori's just saying, like, oh, well, you don't get it. And you haven't felt the true light of Jesus. And and so, like, you just don't understand. And, and Chad is also on the phone at this point. 
Um, and they're both kind of saying like, well, you just don't understand. And almost getting a little angry with Melanie, saying you just don't really understand. You haven't felt the full light of Jesus and, and you don't know what he's called me to. And it was a very kind of eye-opening um, recording to listen to, hearing how Lori was kind of getting defensive with Melanie as Melanie was kind of questioning and pushing back on some of these kind of bizarre beliefs that Lori was having. Now, Melanie also shared that she went to visit Lori in September, kind of in early September. And at this time, this was September of 2020, or sorry, September of 2019. Melanie went to visit Lori in Idaho. They were living in Rexburg, Idaho, at the townhome that they had purchased, or that Lori had purchased. And we also know, when I talked about the timeline, that Chad also lived near Rexburg, Idaho. So that is primarily, you know, seen as the reason why she moved up to Rexburg, is to be close to Chad. And we know that she was living in the townhome at the time, and Melanie came to visit with her boyfriend. And she went to visit Lori and says that she never really saw Tylee that whole time. And Lori had told her that Tylee was taking classes at BYU-Idaho, which is Brigham Young University, a college university in Idaho that is affiliated with the um, central BYU in Provo, or in Provo, Utah. And so she had said, oh yeah, she's taken some classes up there. Now, Tylee was 16 at the time. So 16 years old, you would be in high school. But she said, oh yeah, she's taken some classes up there. So, you know, that's why she's not really around. And she said she did see JJ, um, you know, at the house. He was around, but she never saw Tylee. And she mentions there was one night where Lori had mentioned to her that JJ had become a zombie and he had been climbing on the counters in the kitchen and climbing on the cabinets and just acting really strange and how he had been like taken over by a zombie. And then she recalls a night where the brother Alex Cox was there and was like carrying JJ in his arms and like leaving the townhome. And she says, you know, I didn't think anything of it. I thought like, oh, JJ fell asleep in Alex's arms and he's, you know, he's taking him out um, or like taking him up to bed and didn't think anything of it. But looking back now, there are a lot of people that are saying that there was a high possibility that Alex or Lori or both of them had severely drugged JJ and he was already maybe officially dead at that point and that Alex Cox was taking him to Chad Daybell's house to bury him. We don't have any of that confirmed, but that is kind of what people are thinking is that maybe at that time, this was like mid-September, that they, that he was dead at that point. And he 
Alex Cox was taking him to Chad Daybell's house to bury him. Now we know um, this was like the end of September. September 23rd was the last time JJ was seen. Um, and he was seen on a ring doorbell camera playing in kind of this grassy area out front of their townhomes. He was playing with some neighbor kids. So that's the last time he was seen by anybody was July 20, or sorry, not July, September 23rd on this ring doorbell camera. Um, and then August, the end of August, I believe it was like August 27th is the last time Ty Lee was seen. And she was with her, um, her uncle Alex in Yellowstone. And there's a photo of them in front of the Yellowstone National Park sign. Um, and Alex is also holding her little brother, JJ. And that is the last time that she was seen. And so the initial search that happened was they initially started searching the Yellowstone area because that's the last place Tylee was seen um, and searching the Rexburg area because that's the last place JJ was seen. But then it was kind of quickly within a couple months of the kids being reported missing. It was, you know, it was determined that, wait a second, Lori very well, you know, has something to do with this because she was not producing her kids. And so at that point, by like January of 2020, people really didn't think that the kids were alive anymore. There was a very small, you know, hope that maybe she sent them to live with someone else and that they were alive, but most people believed that they were not alive. Um, because Lori was refusing to produce her kids, which if your kids are alive, then you're going to be able to produce them to the court and say, here they are. And she kept saying at that point when she was asked to produce her kids, she kept saying, well, for, for their safety, I cannot tell you where they are, but they're safe. They're safe. And then we later find out that they are dead. Now, It was eye-opening hearing from Melanie Gibb on the witness stand. We also had law enforcement. They went on the witness stand and talked about, you know, finding the bodies. And they go into gruesome details, which I'm not going to go into gruesome details here. But they go into gruesome details of how they found the bodies. But that they were buried in what Chad called his pet cemetery. And they also revealed that in September... He had sent a text to his wife, Tammy Daybell, like the end of September. He had sent a text to his wife, Tammy Daybell, saying, hey, you know, I I found a raccoon in the backyard and I decided just to get out the shotgun and shoot him and I buried him in the pet cemetery. And looking back, we we can kind of put two and two together and say that, well, he probably was texting that as a decoy to his wife because there was going to be, you know, the dirt was going to be a little amiss over the pet cemetery. The shovel might be out when she gets home from work. So this is to set up so that she doesn't think anything fishy because he's already texted her that he buried a raccoon in the pet cemetery. And so that's why the dirt might look a little different. That's why the shovel might be out. Or no, he had said he burned the raccoon and then buried him in the pet cemetery. That's And so that's also m- might be why there's, like, you know, 
there was smoke and other stuff as a decoy. Now, we also know that by the time they do the preliminary hearing, Alex Cox is dead. He died in December of 2019. So he would have been called to the witness stand um, or, I mean, perhaps even already arrested at that point, but he was not alive. But they, they know that Alex Cox's phone pinged two times at Chad Dadel's house. It pinged once in September and then once in October at Chad Dabell's house. And the law enforcement, you know, were trying to explain why Alex Cox's phone might have pinged twice at Chad Dabell's house and it was in rapid succession after pinging at Lori Vallow Dabell's townhome. So it had, in September, his phone had pinged at Lori Vallow's house and then shortly later, like 20-ish, 30 minutes later, pinged at Chad Dabell's house. And then in October, pinged at Lori Vallow Dabell's house. And then 30-ish minutes later, pinged at Chad Dabell's house. Now, we can kind of assume that that was the two times that he was disposing of the bodies. That we, we presume that Ty Lee died sooner. That Ty Lee died early September. Like shortly after returning from their Yellowstone trip that Tylee died and was taken to Chad Daybell's to dispose of her. And then JJ died later at the end of September and was taken like into September, early October to Chad Daybell's house. And that would be concurrent with the phone pings. Now, again, Alex Cox is not living. So it makes the situation even harder to figure out the exact details but the phone pings line up and match up with the timeline they think of when the kids died and when the kids were killed but then we know it wasn't until november so tylee died september early september jj died late september the welfare check is not done till november so it's a whole month and a half the end of november month and a half to two months goes by where they've been dead and then the welfare check happens because of Charles Vallow's sister that calls the welfare check and they determine that, wait a second, the kids aren't here. And then Lori and Chad vanish and then they're trying to search for Lori and Chad and search for the kids. And then in January of 2020, is when they find Lori and Chad in Hawaii having a honeymoon and just relaxing on the beach while their kids are missing. They're asking, trying to get answers, and Lori's saying, oh, they're safe. I can't tell you where they are, but they're safe. Trust me, they're safe. And that's all she would say. And then they give her 21 days to produce her kids. She does not produce her kids, so then she is arrested. Now... This is, you know, it's, it's really sad looking back, seeing, you know, where everything ended up and seeing how many people have died in her path. Her two kids died. Her fourth husband died. Her fifth husband's wife died. Tammy Daybell died. Her brother died. 
And now law enforcement is really starting to link the two together or link all of them together and saying, well, wait a second, look at this pattern of all these people that have died. Now, the zombie thing was a big thing that we heard that all these people were apparently zombies and they had to be eradicated from the earth. And that was something she had talked about to Melanie Gibb and to other people. And some people believe that she really did think that these people were zombies and she was so far into a cult-like belief that she thought these people were zombies, she thought they needed to die, and that she had been brainwashed by Chad Daybell and by his beliefs, similar to how you would be brainwashed in a cult. Other people believe that that was all just hogwash and that that was just a blanket to cover all of this all of this evil and that really Lori and Chad Daybell wanted to be together in the end they wanted to be married and they said well wait we can't be married because we're both married they had already according to their friend Melanie Gibb they had already begun their relationship before they were apart from their husbands. Now, Charles Vallow died in um, July of 2019. But Tammy Daybell did not die until October. And Melanie Gibbs said when she went to visit them in September, they were walking around the track at the college there near their house holding hands, kissing each other. Now, Charles Vallow had already been gone at that point, but Tammy Daybell was still alive. And so they, you know, they were cheating on each other. And some people say, well, they just really wanted to be together. They, and in, in the LDS religion, as is with a lot of Christian religions, is this belief that when you marry someone, you marry them for life. And so the idea of separating from someone, divorcing someone, in most religions, and specifically in the LDS religion, it's kind of frowned upon to get divorced, to separate. The general belief is that you marry someone for life. In the LDS church, you actually seal your marriage in the temple, where you go to the temple and it's just like the two of you and a bishop that are in the temple and nobody else goes into the temple and you actually seal your marriage in the temple and then your marriage is like for eternity and they have this saying called like families are forever in the LDS church and because that's because their belief is that families are forever, families stay together forever and even after you die families stay together in heaven and so It's not very common for people to get divorced in the LDS church and to separate from their partner in the LDS church. And so I think that does play into it where, you know, they maybe they wanted to be together and they said, well, we can't really get separated, you know, with people knowing it. Like we can't just tell people like, oh, yeah, we got divorced and, you know, from our husband and our wife and then got back together. 
Now, we know Charles Vallow wanted to end the marriage. He was close, you know, to getting a divorce. Tammy Daybell, we don't have any indication that she was interested in ending the marriage on her end. And both of them died. And so people say, well, they, she killed her husband and he killed her wife. Or they both did it together so that they could be together. They got to get rid of the, the husband and the wife so that they can come together. And then they have to get rid of the kids because the kids are just a hindrance. You can't, you know, you can't just spend all your time together with your new husband if you have two kids. Now, Tylee was 16, so in a couple years she was going to maybe be going off to college, you know, moving out, doing her own stuff. So she was only a couple years away from kind of independence. JJ was only seven, so there was, you know, a much longer time for him as a young child. And so their belief maybe being, well, we got to get the kids out of the picture because we can't be together with the kids. And then Alex Cox dying is a weird thing. There's the belief that like, oh, well, he was the family hitman. He killed Charles Vallow. He, we think he killed the kids um, from the cell phone pings and from what information we have. We think he killed the kids. And there's a high probability he killed Tammy Daybell as well. So he was seen as like the family hitman. Now, his, rule, his death was ruled as, um, like, a health condition. It was something with, like, blood clots. And that's his, that has not changed. They have not changed the ruling on the autopsy. But it is, it is interesting that, like, he dies in December after all these other people have died. After the kids have gone missing. And now there's, like, a missing persons report filed for both of these kids they're searching for both of these kids it is interesting that then he dies and you have to wonder you know was that intentional so that he can't get in trouble for anything that okay yeah like if you know maybe his choice or maybe someone else's thought you know he could have committed suicide thinking I don't want to be named for any of this I don't want to go to jail for any of this It could have been the idea of his sister, Lori, like, we got to get you out of here so, like, you don't get in trouble. But then I don't know how that, you know, would have played out in her favor because obviously she would have then thought, well, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be seen as the next person in trouble. So I don't know. It's, It's hard to say what his death really means in all this, but it is peculiar that he then dies after all these other people that he's presumably killed. Um, and then he can't actually be charged for any of this. So it is interesting um, that he wound up dead. Now, there's been some other interesting things that have kind of come out of this. Um, we know that Tammy Daybell initially was said to be natural causes her death, which she died in October. It was um, October 19th she died. Now, they recently, this last, like, within the last, like, six months, they decided to um, relook at Tammy's death. Um, Well, actually, December 20th of 2019 was when they officially decided to launch an investigation, thinking it might be linked to Tammy's death. 
and they re-exhumed the body, Tammy Davila's body. And we have not actually, the public has not gotten access to that information on what has been said or, you know, what came out of that um, exhuming of Tammy Daybell's body. But they did look back into it, thinking that maybe it wasn't natural causes after all. And Charles Valla was so quick to say, like, didn't request anything else. They, you know, they just at the time said natural causes. And he said, okay. And he asked for the body to be cremated. And that was it. So we know they did recently look back into that. We're waiting to see if they're going to release any of that to the, to the public. And we know that for the first time, Chad Daybell's kids have come forth and spoken. Now you may be thinking, wait, Chad Daybell had kids? Like, why didn't his kids wind up dead? Chad Daybell had five kids. Now, from what I know, all of his kids are older. Like, I think the youngest one is 18 or 19 years old. And the oldest one is like maybe like 27, 28. So they all range in age from maybe like 18 to like 28, 29 years old. So they are older. They were not living at the house with them, with him and Tammy. They were older and all moved out of the house. Some might have been at college and some other places in their life. So that could explain why none of them wound up dead because they're already out of the house. We don't have to worry about them. They're not a problem or an issue. But ones that are under our roof and under our care that we have to tend to every day are going to be an issue. And so that's why JJ and Tylee died. But it was interesting because shortly after Chad Dable was taken into custody, after they found the kids' bodies in his house, we saw some of his kids moving into their house, the house that they grew up in with their mom and dad. Their mom's dead. Their dad's now in jail for two dead bodies found in his backyard. And those kids are seen moving into the house. So that was kind of strange. And then for the first time just recently, a couple weeks ago, we hear from some of the kids. They had not spoken at all prior to a few weeks ago, but they spoke and it was really interesting because they basically said that they think it was a setup. They think their dad was set up and the bodies were planted in his yard, which is very interesting, very interesting that they're kind of under that belief. Even with all these other people that have died in relation to their dad and his new wife and that they would have that belief that, oh yeah, it was a setup. Those bodies were planted in his yard. And yet, wait a second, let's look. Oh, Charles Vallow also died. Alex Cox also died. Our mom died. So it was interesting to hear that from them. And it'll be interesting to see, like, as we move into a trial here, if they really keep that up, if they keep that belief, or if they change their tune with things. Um, But that's really interesting. And we're now at this point really awaiting the the trial, which is supposed to begin soon. As I mentioned in the timeline, Lori Valadebel has been deemed incompetent to stand trial. So her trial is on hold. 
It was looking, before this happened in August, when she was deemed incompetent, it was looking like they were probably going to merge the two trials together. Merge the two charges together. As Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell are both have murder charges against them for the two dead bodies. And there could be more added later. There could be murder charges for Charles Vallow added or for Tammy Daybell added or potentially Alex Cox. Those could be added later, but right now it's the murder charges for the kids. And it was looking like those two trials were going to be merged, which would make sense because they probably did everything in lockstep. And so it would seem like the most sense to to have those go concurrently at the same time together. But now Lori has been deemed incompetent to stand trial. So it's looking like Chad Daybell's trial is going to proceed and move forward while Lori Vallow's is going to be on hold. And then hers may eventually move forward later, but it's unclear. So we're kind of waiting to see... Um, when Charles Vallow, or sorry, not when Charles Vallow, when Chad Daybell's trial is going to, it should, it's supposed to be coming up here soon. And so we'll be kind of watching that closely to see what happens with that trial. They're right now trying to pick a jury pool, as I mentioned in the timeline case, trying to pick a jury pool. Um, They want to move out of Rexburg, Idaho, because They think it's going to be hard to pick a fair jury in Rexburg, Idaho. So it's probably going to be moved to Boise. And that's probably where the case is going to be tried. And then we'll see if Lori is ever deemed competent to stand trial. Um, We'll have to kind of wait and see where things play out with that. But when there is um, Chad Dable's trial and we have information, I'll definitely be covering it on here. But until next time, thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at MYS Headlines and share your thoughts regarding this case. Thank you.